10 years, three boys, one question, are we friends? Hello everybody, whether you're listening to this on the Monday night that we release it, the Tuesday morning afterward on your way to the ill-advised commute to work, or any other time, we would like to remind you that the police brutality protests are still ongoing. And we are bringing you an episode now. I am your co-host, Taylor. I am your co-co-host, Brian. And I'm Jorge. And this is Are We Friends, the only show on the internet where three boys talk about their interests one at a time to see if they are actually still friends anymore, or if it's just inertia. This week, Brian is bringing us a topic. What are we talking about today, Brian? Finally is my topic again, after a whole lot of everything happening, um... I, I was not on the previous episode for personal reasons, and so I wanted to, like, I, I know you guys mentioned, like, kind of a transition or, like, moving around to the, back to a similar version of our content. So I wanted to do that with a topic here that is like what we would normally talk about, but still makes all of you listen to the important things that we need to talk about right now. So we're going to be talking about the uh, works of director Spike Lee. Yes, um, and while I, I do want to say I don't think that we should really be building our content right now, like I, like I said last time, I think you should be focusing on correct um, other voices at this time, but since you, many of you, I feel, are probably not going to go and go out of your way to do that still, um, <laughs> then we'll be here to remind you. I, I actually, so I don't use social media besides for this kind of stuff now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Are timelines returning to normal? Are people starting to talk about normal things again? Uh, not to- my timeline because <laughs> I follow a lot of a lot of activists still uh, who are not letting timelines go back to normal. Um, well, but since from I what wasn't, I hear, yeah, <laughs> since I wasn't using it before, that is literally the only thing on my timeline. All you see is exactly. Um, as someone who uses it probably the most out of us, uh, some people are returning to normal. Um. A lot of the stories seem to be filled with uh, still doing activist-style things, but, like, posts are getting a little bit more, like, regular, and I'm seeing some more food on my timeline again. Right. And, you know, th- you know, the regular, like, Instagram schlock or things like that. My Twitter feed is almost all uh, activist or related to activist stuff because the algorithm, like, got me during that time and is like, oh, you like this stuff, so it's just all... Uh, activism still but my instagram is floating back to like hey yo justice for brianna taylor but also check out my soundcloud i'm like oh oh i'm not liking this at all yeah for me it's facebook (laughs) is the only place where i'm really seeing a transition where people are you know doing things like posting the same buzzfeed article over and over again like americans are dumb and don't wear masks cool this is a this is an article that could have been written four months ago might be might be from yesterday (laughs) okay yeah and while that, that important that information has been very important, it is weird to see yes. because that's where I've seen it as well on Facebook. Is since I can't only follow activists, there's just whatever I had when I stopped using <laughs> I Facebook. Uh, no matter how hard I try, I can't just follow activists. On yeah, there. it's like you can see proportionally who cares more about disease than racism. So I keep kind of seeing um, the the Britta Perry from Community. I can excuse blank, but this is where I draw the line. It's like I can oh, excuse yeah. police brutality, but the global <laughs> pandemic's where I draw the line. And so, in terms of you can best, excuse police brutality, dude. 
The best part of that meme is I'm pretty sure she says in the original line, I can excuse racism, but animal cruelty is where I draw a line. And Shirley exactly goes, You can excuse racism? <laughs> <laughs> Having just rewatched Community twice because hashtag still don't do anything else uh, much apart from go out. Um, Dude, he, yeah. They just Brita hashtags. Yeah, I, just, I did just Brita hashtag. Um, yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll be here to give you a, a mix of escapism because we're not going to be the best to actually talk about the the subject material that you should be listening to itself. Yeah, but uh, we can at least remind you that it's happening and to go still look that shit up even as it starts to be less in your face. Correct, and, and that's, away that's what I wanted to do. We go. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to do with talking about Spike Lee because, as most of you know, I come from a film background, so. I'll probably talk more about his films from a film perspective while highlighting all of the things he talks about because I am very much unequipped to talk about those. I'm the I'm the uh, the punky upstart Western guy who uh, makes his gun belt too loose, so when he walks out with his big you know cowboy walk and he stands there and it just falls to the floor and I get pants by myself. Um, that's me when talking about real you issues. Daffy Duck. <laughs> when does I'm that basically happen? Daffy Duck. And like, or I'm trying to think pig. of a single like. That's I because that doesn't even happen in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and it's the that's the only place I could imagine that happening. <laughs> I guess Looney Tunes. I, I guess you're right. I was gonna say Looney Tunes is the only thing I can think of. Those, um, those cartoons be funny, man. Yeah. So I wanted to start off with a question to you guys. It's just a usual basic question, but. Um, before I gave this to you, what was your experience with Spike Lee films? I Either one of you. I knew the name. Okay. And after looking at the list of titles, I believe the only one I saw was Inside Man. Okay. Taylor? Uh, <laughs> extremely unfortunately. That's... that's yeah. <laughs> Um, Inside Man, also. Uh, I had also seen Do the Right Thing. There was a VHS copy at James Madison University uh, where Brian Excellent. and I went. And I, in order to watch it, they wouldn't let you take the VHSs because they just didn't believe that people will remember that they're worth something. So you had to go downstairs to the old, like, tube TV slash VH, uh, VCR and sit in, like, a cubicle and plug it in and sit there and watch it. So just I watched an entire movie on a library chair. Yeah, so I, I did that. I did that with uh, Do the Right Thing. <laughs> okay. Why did you do that? Uh, because I saw that they had VHS and the rest of them, like, well, I own the rest of these. And then I saw Do the Right Thing. Like, shit, I've never seen that. Um, I'm going to do that one. Fuck it. Can I take this home? No. No. Uh, <laughs> what do you do with it? Oh, there's a small room downstairs <laughs> that we can send you to. Like, well, I'm not going to say no now. I feel like I'm obligated to because I took up your time like looking <laughs> like, at the VHS tapes. I was going to say, you're yeah. never mind. Yeah, like. Your dedication to VHS is so pure that you were unwilling <laughs> to watch it through any other medium that you chose to go sit in a library chair to consume it. <laughs> no, no, it was it was the medium he which happened to present. Zealot. Yeah, <laughs> the aspect ratio God intended. Shut up. What so that is that, that was my experience. They there's a there's a meme about uh Gen Z people like afraid to ask for ketchup but will straight attack a police officer. Oh yeah, <laughs> my favorite like too scared to call and like have to call their mom at twenty four or whatever to schedule a doctor's appointment and will absolutely like apologize for people when they trip them but will throw tear gas back at police. <laughs> we'll <throw a> tear. <laughs> 
crazy. That pretty much sums it up in a in a nutshell. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what what experience with Spike Lee did you want us to have? I no no I was honestly just wondering because again Spike Lee is an, I think a name that a lot of people do know, but. I don't know if they've actually watched a lot of his stuff. Right. And it's funny that you both mentioned Inside Man because, oddly enough for me, and I think this might just be the pretentious film student part coming out, like a, like a, a, another, a, the rest of my beard is filling in as I'm saying this, but like, I hadn't seen Inside Man. I had seen his, you know, films that mattered and his political film, like... His, well, that's what, his artistic um, oeuvre. I, I really had only seen Do the Right Thing before... Uh, Started like my first experience was watching Do the Right Thing. I'll put it that way. Well, I was um, looking at the the his filmography and it was all these great movies. I'm like, oh yeah, no, I do. I want to watch many of these. And it's Inside yeah. Man, that that must be a different Inside Man because that like <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Inside. Yeah. <laughs> Even the the funny thing, and we can we'll we'll get into um I'll get into the films that I mentioned for you guys, and then I'm gonna ask what you guys um watched. But the funny thing with Inside Man was. I was looking up because it's kind of an outlier, kind of, and not necessarily, but it, like he dips into like more, I guess, generic mainstream type films, like action film, kind yeah, of like, like he, light he, action. He dabbles in them, but like it, it, like reading about Inside Man was like commercial success. Inside Man, I'm like, oh, this this made a lot of money, and then like hearing everybody like, hey, I know Inside Man. I'm like, how the fuck did everybody see this movie but me? Yeah, had, <laughs> like, did you did you watch it? For this I watched it. Yeah, okay, so for um, for you guys at home, and we'll probably put this list somewhere, or I'll throw it up on Instagram. Something. Um, the the quick examples I gave them because most of these are readily available on uh, streaming services at the moment. Um, I mentioned Inside Man. Uh, Do the right thing. If you're listening to this on Monday, I think it's still technically free on Amazon, but it's not going to be on the thirtieth and after. Um, oh. Uh, she's got to have it, which is one of his first ones. I think it might be his first one. Um, it's that or do the right thing was his NYU film yeah. school. Uh, I think it's she's got to have it because it's in black and white, which means that sounds film schooly. He couldn't afford color uh, film for it because that's how everyone's student film is. Um, and then I mentioned the new, his latest one, uh, Five Bloods, and then the one right before that was Black Klansman. So I gave you, uh, I gave like five of them, two early works. Kind of, oh, and Malcolm X, which is also on Netflix. Um, so two early works, two kind of middle works, and then two his two latest works. Um, what did you guys end up watching for research with this? Uh, I watched Malcolm X and Black Klansman. Um, so we also forgot to throw in Chirac in there. Ah, yes. Uh, but no, I actually rewatched Inside Man for this because of how much the police... <laughs> Well, so like one, it's a, uh, it is, and has Taylor been. Taylor is the inside man. I am the inside man. If you turn around right now in your car or home, I am inside. inside. I am the man inside. Um, but if uh, I, I, I specifically watched that one because of its police presence. Um, the main mm. characters are police, and uh, the majority of the ensemble are like members of the NYPD. So I, I did watch that one mm. for a reason. But to okay, so. To, to watch the one that was on topic during a time where police are brutalizing all sorts of people, where a, 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 guard, a large topic is racism towards black people, you watch the one that is 
primarily about the police. <laughs> well, no, I will. It is, that, um, that is the least charged with that kind of stuff. <laughs> it, it's interesting. It's interesting because I think even it in, is in and it is yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll go into this in more detail later. I think even with a like surface level um, sympathy towards the police simply because they are the main characters. I don't exactly, think he yeah. shies away from like some, some, some pretty strong critiques of what it means to be in a police force. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll would, get into those. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I can well, see why think... this movie was commercially successful. I still oh, think yeah. <laughs> there is a, uh, I still think there is a Spike Lee esque critique happening. Honestly, a lot of, if we're going to get into the, analyzing like whether there was sufficient or enough or like what what level of critique of, of police there was in that that's that's something we should probably leave to, to articles that we can post references to yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, i'm not do, i'm not we declaring it, but we're not going to get in a deep dive like yeah, we're not, I'm gonna not be able to i'm not coming out here and declaring that this movie is actually anti-police i just want to <laughs> share some observations that i had watching it like with this particular sure. thing in mind um and that yeah that was the goal yeah it was to get the observation because and it's actually it was interesting i was um i was reading up on an article talking about do the right thing because and I'm going to just say blanket spoilers because I do want to talk about events that yeah. happen in these yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, but these are movies from as early as now. Uh, the Five Bloods just came out or came out very recently on Netflix. Uh, Black Klansman's like 2018. But like, do the right things from 1989. If you haven't watched it by now, go watch it. I don't care. Um, it's the, the thing about, especially do the right thing, but with a lot of the movies is um, Spike Lee talked about the ending of do the right thing and he was talking about how it doesn't necessarily end on this high uplifting like it's not like an uplifting ending but it's a very um it's a very like determined ending because and he he mentioned that he's like i like to present problems in my film and then have the spark of discussion from all the people who watch it um and i found that very much so, like very pointedly in do the right thing um but I also found it in a lot of the other ones, and I was wondering if you guys felt that. Uh, Inside Man, no, because actually, yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. Uh, you know, uh, explain that. Explain okay. that if you. If All right, you, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get this one out of the way because um, it's the one that people have probably <laughs> have seen. So let's hook them while we got them. You know, so Inside Man is. If you the, haven't seen it, by the way, it's super good. Go watch. It's it. like, my favorite heist movie. It's, Can we not give the spoiler for that one? We will not. Yeah, give a I won't. I won't spoil one. the end, um, and like some of the more intricate things that would ruin like the heist. The but heist it's a part? it's a it's a heist movie. It's a heist movie where Clive Owen and a group of compatriots rob a bank, and we don't know quite why they rob it. It's a brilliant bank robbery, and again, like on its own, if you ignored everything, every bit of dialogue, and just read the synopsis, it's like it's one of the best heist movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um. But there are several parts in there where Chiwetel Ejiofor and Denzel Washington are the main two cops. Uh, they're the two detectives who get sent in as um, hostage negotiators because these bank robbers take hostages as part of their plan. And, you know, they do like weird stuff. They come in dressed as painters and they make everyone dress the same. And they, they do a lot of interesting things. And if you watch closely, that's really clever how he doesn't say how much you can see the bank robbers doing with all their hostages. Um, but there are some really problematic moments where Denzel Washington is either confronted by very rich white people to not do the right <laughs> thing. And also talks to like a beat cop who 
like just says slurs at him. And the only thing he says back is like, Hey, can we hold the color commentary? And the line the cop says back is like, I'd rather be an old bigot than a handsome corpse. Uh, which is a striking line that he just yeah. kind of moves past. But there's a lot of, um, I watched this with Emily and Emily said like, this movie is incredibly fucking racist. Like everyone's saying things on race. And like, yeah, it's, I mean, all of Spike Lee's movies are racially charged for sure. Yes. But those two characters, Denzel Washington and Chuatella Giafor, like are having, uh, are being manipulated and try to manipulate, out manipulate rich white people and are kind of standing by as bigots like common street bigotry is happening in front of them and it really does show how something like a police force like that's the identity that people like are choosing here uh i think that's a very uncomfortable Hmm. critique to have that several times like those two guys are like yeah we're imperfect because we are cops like there are things that are being compromised about ourselves our integrity our commitment to anti-racism because we are nypd Mm -hmm. And I think he like puts that on display without someone punishing it just to make it something like, what the fuck? Like you just let that slide, dude. The guy struggled to say African-American because you knew what he was going to say to the black detective. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, and then uh, there are several moments in that movie where the police go nuts. Like they racially profile a Sikh that comes out Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, it's a fucking Arab. Uh, and the guy's that's like, almost the exact line, by the way. Like, yeah. I think that's the exact line. <laughs> and he's being spoken to by Chuatella Giafor and Denzel Washington. Like after he gets, after they realize he's not one of the robbers and they bring him out and he goes like, um, I want my turban. I'm not talking to you unless I have my turban. It's a religious thing. I'm not, I'm like, I'm a Sikh and I'm not an Arab as one of your cops say. And yeah. Willem Dafoe is another, like one of the police leadership. And he goes, I don't think anybody said that. I think you might've misheard that. And he goes, no, no, yeah. I didn't. Um, sorry about that. In the same way that I can't get a guy, like I can't randomly search at the fucking airport. I can't get served in a restaurant. I'm pretty goddamn sure I heard you call me an Arab. Like there's like, it's a very uncomfortable scene. Mm-hmm. And then we move past it. And that's, there's several of those moments yeah. in there. Um, when they're finally shooting at, uh, in the climactic moment, the police are using rubber bullets and they intentionally say like, no, shoot them straight in the head, get knockout shots. And over the line, Willem Dafoe is yelling, cease fire, cease fire. And the cops just don't. Yeah. He has um, to scream it like four times. Yeah. To and then at the end, it. like, I'm not a fucking bank robber. Stop harassing me. And it, it like these, I don't think the police are put in a good light. They are the main characters. And I think that's the best thing they have going for them in this yeah. movie. <laughs> so that that's the, like, that's pretty much it on the inside man, like watching. It's not a, I don't think it's a favorable presentation of police i think police are the Mm -hmm. main characters yeah that was my bit on it i think a i think a similar a similar thing happens in black klansman um because that's actually a true crime story that's about detective ron stallworth who is the uh first black detective uh at the colorado springs police department who goes after the Ku Klux Klan in Colorado Springs uh, to surprisingly funny effect. Like that movie is it's, you know, it's a true to life and there's some very serious moments. Uh, the ending is incredibly serious, but like there's some funny shit. Like they purposely, there's some very good comedy in that movie. Um, but again, it, it takes, it, it gets back to the point of, I think Spike Lee likes to present problems to the audience or, show like with the light of his camera 
the issues that are facing mostly black people in whatever day and age he's at, usually connecting it to the present time that he's in. Um, and not necessarily giving it a solution, but just showing people, like putting it in their face so they can't ignore it. Yeah. What I will talk about is the the <laughs> question that you the the thing that you brought up, Brian, that he ends on a note where there is further discussion to have, mm-hmm. which is very much I think what happens at the end of Black Klansman, where they had oh uh, they were basically it was a political argument that they were having that was leading to the to the ending of a relationship, um, and you think like that's that that's where the focus is, and then it gets into this very grim. Uh, it basically stops the movie, and then it's like, "Hey guys, yes. this stuff is actually happening." Uh, and yeah. I, I think that yeah. was a, a big thing where it's it's like, "Nope, shut the movie off." Like we are we are we are like, this is what is important is that it's that we're going to talk about the, these things. The things exactly. So um, I would very much say that he uh, yeah. that 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 is something that he goes for very clearly. Um, in addition to something I had read about was the uh, the cinematography thing that he likes to use with the the where the the person is like on some sort of the track uh, shot. Yeah. The, the track shot. It's a, it's what it's what it's called a double dolly. And to explain that, the dolly is like if you've ever seen a tracking shot where the camera is following someone, usually like walking or something like that, and it's just a very smooth shot. Um going backwards, forwards, up, down, whatever. That's usually a dolly. There it's on a physical dot like some sort of device with wheels, and it's being pushed by two other people while the cameraman usually sits in a chair or like stands on the tripod on this like like an old-timey railroad car style thing. Like, yeah. that would be what it's like where the tripod's on there. Um, Spike Lee perfected this in Malcolm X, but has used it throughout his career. Does it in Inside double, Man. And this, exactly. Um, in this double dolly shot where there's essentially two dollies. There's the dolly with the camera on it that's moving in its thing, and the person is on a dolly themselves being moved. So it gives you this very... Um, almost like ethereal like quality to it like it seems a lot of the time like the people are floating either towards or away from the camera like uh in in other me in other like tv and movies it reminds me of like the way they make things look when when the camera is focused on somebody who's like drunk and walking down the street Mm -hmm. you know uh but they (laughs) god i saw i saw four separate shots from things when you said that i was like Oh yeah, like that movie and that TV show and that movie and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but used used to much better effect in, in Malcolm X when he's going through some stuff, and then at the end of Black Klansman is like very, yeah. very. It's because that's when they're moving like out of the movie into the the real footage. And that that was the thing about that is a lot of the times I think in Malcolm X it's still it, the point of the th- effect is it's very jarring. Like you, everyone notices the double dolly shots in every Spike Lee film that he does them, and they go, "Oh, there it is." Because like it's basically become iconic. He usually for him only now. does like one or two. Yeah, it's only uh, one in each of the movies I mentioned. That's twenty yeah, twenty fifth hour right. has the most because I think it has like three of them, but they're all very close together. Um, but it is a very jarring effect because you're like, okay, the background is moving, but the person is staying still, but they're moving, and it's a it, like it, it it feels odd, but it is I think like Jorge is talking about to um to take you out of like this movie experience and really feel the emotions that are happening either in the story or for the characters. Um, In Malcolm X, it's the, it's as he is walking up to the uh, speech where he is going to die. Like that's the speech where he gets assassinated at. And it's this 
a fucking amazing shot where uh, a change is going to come is playing as he's sort of like floating almost like he shot from below. So you're looking up at him, which always indicates a level of like power or divinity or authority. Like there's there's a there's a, a strength someone is given when they're shot like that. Right. They look bigger um, and he's kind of dollying and he feels almost like in a trance. It gives you this very like. It, it makes me fucking like it's very sad. Because it, it feels very resigned, like he knows where he's going to and where he's going to end up sort of thing. Um, and Black Klansman is is very confrontational with it. Like, it's this one shot. You don't even see them open the... Like, they, they get a knock on their door, right? And then you hear the door open, and then they immediately cut to this dolly shot of them getting pulled towards the window with their guns out that looks a lot like a Shaft or like a Jackie Brown. Like, it's a very right. kind of exploitation styled thing repurposed for black empowerment um but like it, it takes you out of immediately like oh they are directly confronting the audience and you know white supremacists um and, and inside man also has one of those and taylor i don't know if you want to expand on that one yeah um, that one's very interesting too it is interesting because we it comes right before um christopher Plummer is the mm -hmm. owner of the bank and is and is in this movie and he hires Jodie Foster, <laughs> whose name is literally miss white. Uh, oh yeah, it is. She, wow. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she, uh, like shows that like he is, cor there's corruption in the upper echelons of New York. The mayor is like, has some sort of compromise on him who again is white. And they have, uh, a scene together. And then immediately he talks to Clive Owen, like over the phone as the hostage negotiator and Clive Owen crosses a line that Denzel Washington was sure he wasn't going to cross. He thought at least he had a handle on this particular aspect. And then Clive Owen crosses that line. And I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil mm -hmm. like what that line is because unfortunately with a heist movie, you can't talk about the ending. Um, and that's where we get the tracking shot where he gets out of the, like the, the hostage negotiating van and that's tracking right up to the front of the bank. And you see like the police doing their shit, their SWAT mm -hmm. and other shit behind him. And he's doing that. And just Denzel Washington has murder in his eyes. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm fucking done with this goes up to the, the front of the bank confronts Clive Owen. Like this is fucking ridiculous. Fucking shoot me. Like Clive Owen yeah. is pointing again, like fucking shoot me. Go ahead. Fucking do it. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm done with this. You're not going to fucking do it. Fucking do it. And um, Clive Owen goes like, you know, tell the NYPD to send me someone sane and like slams the door in his face. And it is, it is a mm -hmm. kind of a defeating moment. Um, but it, it is like, it is the, for a, sh a movie that is really realistically blocked. Um, mm -hmm. There's a, like, people are cowering. They do a lot of things like moving people from left to right. There's a lot of people being moved in and out of rooms. Like there's a lot of movement that happens in this movie that he does it to great effect. All right, no more realism. We're going to do this really. This is a, <laughs> this is a moment for Denzel Washington. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he does some, for me, he does some very interesting things. Um, and I can talk about some of them at some point. Uh, but I wanted to know Jorge, was there anything else you noticed, I guess, in that same vein of the double dolly shot in the Spike Lee movies that you watched? Like, it doesn't have to be a specific thing, but, like, was there something in the filmmaking that you noticed, like, helped him either say a message or bring a point across or honestly just do something cool or interesting? Um, I was... I was honestly very much watching those movies for content and not as that's much fine. Uh, yeah, I was, that. that's fine. I was not 
super focused on the cinematography and for me personally it is something that i have to focus on and have somebody like explain it to me oh i gotcha it does not no it does not come naturally (laughs) to me by by any means um but no i mean there's yeah the the things that come up to me during black Klansman is certainly the i the there's an he's having an open conversation about police and like whether mm-hmm. that is an acceptable form of occupation at all for people to have um i won't comment on it myself um like i said i don't think we should <laughs> you are actively pushing back on what spike lee wanted to do he wanted you to talk about it and you're like i ain't gonna say shit about that i uh, i think it's it's very complicated i yes. will say that i am i am personally in a very anti-police mood mm-hmm. right now um but i think commenting as to even more more so as to whether the level of um, glorifying police in Black Lansman is acceptable or not. That's what I will not comment as to. Okay. As okay. As, yes. Yeah. Um, but no, that that is that That's is very obviously yeah. something that that he wants to talk about, wants to be talked about. Yes. Because he he presents, I would say at least in Black Klansman, like he presents multiple sides to that argument. He For isn't. Sure. He isn't like, ooh, I love the police, or ooh, they're the fucking devil. Like, he shows people arguing both of those points, um, both through events that happen and through straight-up dialogue. Because yeah. the one thing, the other thing I wanted to touch on with Spike Lee um, as a sort of overall point, because I think it, I saw it in every movie that he was that I watched for this, was his dialogue is up front. Like, yeah. there is no fucking like uh subtext there's subtext in what happens and why things happen and the way things happen mm-hmm. but in terms of his text his text is very much like this is what we are talking about and yeah. this is what i want to say yeah for um, sure in in do the right thing specifically there isn't a double dolly shot but the equivalent of it is a series of uh upfront moving close-ups on yeah. certain characters as they just rattle off the most race just like yeah. prejudiced like awful offensive stuff about every other character's race basically so like um spike lee's character mookie will just start running off about italians and then john Turturro's character will just say very offensive things about black people and the like all of that stuff happens um and again he is very upfront about it there's no uh confusion as to what's being talked about which to be honest, I think is good. Um, if yeah, if I were to put it a way that I would write it, um, he's very upfront about what's being talked about. He's not very upfront about what's being said. Yes. Um, yeah. I can see that, but elaborate on that. Okay. So, like, <laughs> like you said, um, especially I'm going to bring it back to Inside Man because it's the one I've seen the most recently. <laughs> uh, race is something that there's hardly a, there's hardly a bit of dialogue that doesn't have a racialized comment in it. Um, and then it's very surprising. Certain characters never make a racialized comment and it's not who you think it would be. And, but at the same time, like there's a weird either in the plot or in the blocking of the scene or when he chooses to make his tracking shot or how the plot eventually unfolds at the Mm -hmm. end that it seems to go counter, um, or at least provides attention of some kind to like this, obviously racialized dialogue that's going on. So at least I think that's the way in inside man, at least that's how he opens up that question. Like I've shown you a lot of shit. 
none of it's very good. All of it's pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. You need to think about this because I didn't. I I showed you what's being. Uh, I, uh, what's being talked about, you need to figure out what's being said, like what I'm saying about this or what you, you need to examine what I think, what you think I'm saying in this as a filmmaker. Like that's a dialogue that you need to have in order to think about this movie. That's, that's actually interesting to bring up uh, because there is a uh, do the right thing has an iconic uh, moment with Spike Lee. Spike Lee is the main character in this film and he likes to show up in, some of his films, and then he kind of just stopped doing that after a while. I don't know if he just got tired of it or was like, I can got hire... bigger budgets. He didn't uh, yeah, have like I can them. hire <laughs> actors. I don't have to do this <laughs> myself. Um, but his his the main character uh, Mookie. There is the pivotal mo- one of the pivotal moments is after the the death of a certain character at the hands of police in a holy shit, disgustingly reminiscent moment from 1989 but we'll talk about that in a second uh, M- uh mookie spike lee's character takes a trash can a garbage can and throws it into the pizzeria where that the scene of this fucking police crime like and it starts this right where they burn down the pizzeria and there was an interesting thing that spike lee was addressing in one of the interviews where he was talking about people have come up and asked me and or and said or have like theorized that uh, Mookie threw the trash can through the window to make sure to save basically the white Italian owner of the restaurant and his sons who work there because the mob was getting ant- like was getting ready to fucking attack and then he like redirected it at the store because he liked them and he was like no Spike or er, Mookie does not do that to save Sal at all he does it because his friend was just murdered by police and he's fucking acting out in a moment of grief and anger. And I was like, fat, like, I'm, I'm glad that like he clarified it, but he also, the one thing that he also said after that was, and the only people who have brought me this theory were white people. <laughs> and that was, fa- honestly, that was fascinating to me because the second he said it, I was like, of course, that's the only people who would bring that up to him or would make up that theory because I, yeah, Spike Lee made the movie and he understood why that would happen. And I assume a lot of black people understood that as well. Um, but it also furthers that whole proposing of a problem. And Do the Right Thing is horrendously relevant, which is honestly something on rewatch. I had, I had seen it maybe a couple years before this, right? And seeing it now, I was like, it's the, the the same shit. It's just the same shit that's recently happened. Like, think of any of the recent events, any of the recent police-related uh, killings, and you've it's what happens to one of the characters in Do the Right Thing. And right. what was even more fascinating, I ended up looking them up, was, uh, again, Spike Lee is very culturally uh, cognizant or... He is very up-to-date on the news when he's making a movie. So in his movie, which also has, like, Martin Lawrence in, like, a cameo, there's a lot of a lot of famous black actors went through a Spike Lee joint. Like, some, at some point or another, they, they uh, he got a hold of them and got a really good performance out of them. But Do the Right Thing has this moment after this character gets killed where he's just panning across the crowd who's in fucking utter just disbelief and shock and horror. And they start going, like they murdered another one like Michael Stewart or um, 
Esther Bumpers. I think it's Esther Bumpers. I might be wrong. Um, but he brings up two actual real police killings that had happened a couple years before that and virtually yeah. the same circumstances. So And do the right thing is before Rodney yeah. King. Exactly. Like, it's three years before Rodney King. It's, you know, 20 plus years before all of the things that have happened now, 30 plus years at this point. Um, so it was just, it was honestly kind of shocking to see something from so long ago at this point be so prevalent right now. Um, that also ties into his, and I actually wanted to get your guys' opinion on this because in a couple of the movies, I totally understood it. And in other ones, I was a little surprised at how it was happening. Uh, Spike Lee likes to inject real life into his movies. And the ending of Black Klansman is one that I think is done amazingly well mm -hmm. to shocking effect. And Jorge, I don't know if you want to talk Absolutely. about that one or kind of like describe it or get, I want to get your thoughts on that one. Uh, well, it's, I mean, so I don't think it's spoiling anything at the end of the, no. at the end of the film, uh, two of the main characters get a knock on the door. They go to, to answer. They've been in the middle of a conversation. Um, they go to answer it, and there's no one at the door. They do the the dolly track shot as they're with guns drawn, walking down the hallway. I guess walking, you know, it's gliding is what it looks Moving. like. Moving, yeah, exactly. Um, to look out the window of the hallway where you can see the first cross burning that is in the entire film, and it's the first yeah. time you see like the the full like uh, it's clearly the members of the Ku Klux Klan that you've seen throughout the film so far, but it's mm -hmm. the first time they're actually in. Their full regalia doing their full thing in a not comedic way uh and then they they cut to shots of of the, uh, everything that happened in charlottesville um absolutely harrowing uh, yeah yeah very intense there's yeah. yeah i mean i don't i don't have a lot to say on it personally <laughs> but it i think it really like to for me all this points to going back to continuing to educate yourself continuing to look up these things mm -hmm. that are actually happening continue to look at ways in which we've um i mean we've willfully been ignorant about the ways in which we're being yeah. deceived by people that um were, were meant to be educating us you know about the way th these things actually happen definitely uh so and I, I i'm happy that you bring up that story about spike lee saying why that character threw the the trash can mm-hmm because um, it just shows like where in the past we can normally rely on our, our sense of logic and education to know that we have at least somewhat valid opinions about the things that we're speaking on. It's why I'm so resistant to speaking out on some of these subjects, because we are, I think, are still very ignorant on these on these topics. Yes. Uh, we're I just think... not going to get it right. And I think it's it, we just need it's to point to more education and not nobody needs to hear us like opine about it. No it's reason. us trying to juggle when we've watched one video on YouTube and going, yeah, right. I can talk about this. And it's like, no, yeah. like, let the professionals handle yes. this. But to, to lighten it up, you were talking about cameos <laughs> in them. And in, in Black Landsman, I uh, looked up. So there's a there's a long scene where there's a there's a former activist giving a monologue inside of the student powerhouse. And uh, Stokely, the former Stokely Carmichael, who was uh Kwame Ture, I think, at that point, but he was a yeah, yeah no, no, like, no, 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 not not that meeting. Later on in the house, at the same time that the KKK meeting is going on, there's an oh, old. Oh yes, I knew exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, there's yeah, an yeah, old yeah. man yes, talking about something yes. that happened, and I looked it up, and it is Harry Belafonte, who most of us <laughs> know as out of here. <laughs> the 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 he who recorded the Banana Boat song. 
Well, I've I've listened to that song. I can't tell you how many times. Um, but it's and literally Senora, him, right? Uh, I don't know about that. The I just know Beetlejuice the, one. Yeah, isn't that Harry Belafonte? Doesn't he do Whatever. jump in the line? I just know he does the banana boat song. That's, that's, that's really, honestly, that's enough. He could just be. Uh, apparently, lifelong activist. Really? Yeah, the whole time, whole time. Well, first seems of all, like, that's seems like incredible. a magnificent person. Yeah. Um. Not seeing any any problematic issues with him. Just awesome, yeah. awesome guy all around. Go look him up. That's amazing. Just thought I'd I'd, I'd throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> on um on the topic of people to look up talking uh like who are involved in the topic of Spike Lee um I also want to point people to a theorist that I like uh Bell Hooks uh, mm. in 2006 she wrote a book called Outlaw Culture and it, a lot of it is just like a a um a cultural critique of some famous of a lot of famous people um her term that is used often as white supremacist capitalist patriarchy and she has a chapter on Spike Lee. Um, she talks about him in a few other chapters, but a whole chapter is devoted specifically to Spike Lee doing Malcolm X, um, the title of which is um, Denying Black Pain. Um, hmm. It is, look her up. She, She's a very smart and wonderful writer um, and speaks very, very candidly about a lot of things um, that are related to the Black Lives Matter movement right now and uh, the protests against police brutality. So while we're educating ourselves and while we're pointing to things, look up bell hooks. Excellent. Absolutely. Um, to, to touch on Malcolm X briefly, um, again, th- this and Black Klansman, I think, are his two most... Um, uh, and then Miracle at Santa Ana, as, uh, Saint Anna as well. Um those three because i think that's also based on a true story but those are his two like big biopics or sort of true story ones the rest are some form of fiction about real issues that obviously tie in very well with uh current zeitgeist issues but um it was interesting to see his style used in a biography um because it it was it felt like natural in a biography, if that makes sense, because of how much he likes to like insert photos or use real footage of real people doing real things and cutting that in with his, uh, either with like Denzel's, one of Malcolm X's speeches performed by Denzel over it. Like a lot of stuff like that is, it fits very well inside of a biography movie, like a biographical film. But it, it, it was interesting in, the other films, particularly uh, the Five Bloods, which I'm I don't I think is based on like real Black Vietnam veterans, but I don't know if the st- I don't think the story itself is a true one, um, or it's not based necessarily on a specific story. If that historical makes sense. fiction, yeah, historical fiction more like it. Um, but that use of like photos and real event footage very much helps to ground. Uh, a lot of his films in reality for me because he likes to use fun, cool shots and weird like lighting and cinematography and things like that. So from a filmmaking perspective, it was just, uh, it was very interesting to me to see that kind of amalgamation of like strange, like groundbreaking in in certain aspects, uh, cinematography and filmmaking with like 
here's some Ken Burns shit where I'm just going to show like five photos in a row of the real person as they talk. And then I'm going to throw a quote up and it's like, oh, that all fits somehow. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was very, that was very strange to me, but it was very, I think strange yeah. in a positive way. I will say, I, I don't know how much of Malcolm X or Black Klansman, because I know both of those were actually based on real yeah. events. I don't know how much of it was accurate. But I, my sure. guess would be that most of it, like a lot of it is more yeah. than normal. <laughs> uh, maybe it just is because of the way that he does it. But I get the impression that there's there's a lot more of him going like, no, this is worth talking about. And like, I want to show you this closer to what it actually is. And like, what is cool is like the parts that I am showing you and how like these actors are, are doing it and everything mm-hmm. rather than I feel like biopics normally do like, oh, we're, we have all the cool bits from this story and we're gonna we can mess with the timeline as much as we want we'll put everything where it needs to go to make a nice solid clean narrative yeah whereas i I feel like he didn't care as much about the the pacing exactly matching constructed narratives right i think it was sometimes it's it's a little bit off from that because it feels like a lot more realistic to the way that it it actually happened malcolm x is three and a half hours long yeah like it's he does not care about fucking condensing things into the important bits of his life and he didn't necessarily have like a like a godfather style lead up to to the the last speech with malcolm x either it was just it just kind of was like a listing of like these these important events and not not that that dramatic like rising action as much yeah we weren't like we weren't in this panic or like in this you know, a swell of emotions because the story had been like, oh, and Malcolm X is dealing with this. And now, oh, he's coming in contact with the the black Muslims. Oh, now, now there's a real issue. Oh God. And then it like culminates. It was just like, yep, he was living his life as he was. And we didn't have like a (laughs) a made up 20 minute action scene where he's fighting off FBI agents before he (laughs) (laughs) passes off the national treasure. to. (laughs) Oh no. So, and I'm glad it's Spike Lee did Klansman. not do that. By the way, yeah, yes, no, I'm, I'm very happy. <laughs> but same thing in Black Klansman. Like it, it is, it, I was a little unaccustomed to it, you know, because I'm like, a, yeah, I'm, I'm used to expecting very, very traditional there. Like I, I like good, evil, traditional, rising action, hit that climax, done. Um, yeah, I feel but, like uh, Spike Lee very rarely does that <laughs> in a lot no, of his yeah. movies. Yeah, just good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a whole clade of filmmaker. And I I haven't really commented much on Spike Lee apart from as a filmmaker and like what he's doing in the films for similar reasons that you mentioned, Jorge. Um, But Spike Lee does belong to that clade of filmmaker. We're like, yeah, plot is secondary to what I'm doing here. Um, Yeah. I'm forgetting the director's name now, but the director of Ghost in Shell um, talks about like someone like an, an American reporter talked to him about like, yeah, this movie didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't care about the plot. The movie, <laughs> the movie is about the philosophy that I'm trying to put forward right now. Are you um, talking about the original anime oh, or no. the, the original the, anime the movie not remake the where they had Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson played the main, clearly not supposed to be white character. <laughs> no, that, again, that's the one that you wanted to bring up. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the original the the original uh, anime, which is uh, also very good, uh, and again, like many of Spike Lee's movies, visually stunning. For the record, if you haven't seen or you're listening to this at a, a different point in time out there in the future somewhere, uh, right now there are many voice actors who are white and have been voicing non-white characters who are resigning and like, or saying they regret. Yeah, guess, like, can you can an actor resign? I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, yeah, they're saying like. 
yes, give it to somebody who is the actual race that this character is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Big Mouth is the but, first one that I'm thinking of. Yeah, uh, there's a few of them, but uh, I I still have yet to hear anything about Scarlett Johansson saying that dude something she's not going to happen. Buddy. Dude, she's not going to happen. She stonewalled it and she just got away with it. Oh, oh she dropped out of the God. um. She dropped out of the movie where she was going to play uh, a trans person. Um, there was a story of I don't remember I don't remember the situation, but there was a story where she was going to play a trans person, and everyone was like, "Okay, we somehow let you get off the hook with playing fucking uh, Makoto of in fucking Ghost in the Shell, but we're not letting this stand." And so she was like, "Fine." I will step <laughs> down from this role. And then, like, the movie fell apart because of all that shit. But, um, yeah. So she got a little, she got punched a little bit, but she's like, I have all that Marvel money. I don't give a fuck. There was a, um, if you're listening to this in the future, I'm sure you can find it Welcome. if you Google it. But in the real world now, <laughs> there was a fun moment where Stephen King, um, writer, oh. retweeted something of J.K. Rowling's, and she immediately took that as, like, blanket support. So wrote a bunch of really nice things about her. And the only comment he put is like, yeah, trans women are women. And she immediately deleted the tweet where she yeah. said nice things about Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, that was that was incredible. Because uh, if you I think if you look at the tweet, she would like part of the tweet she was at. She was basically like talking about like believing women on some level. She was like, you know, men look at women's uh voices as acts of violence and commit violence to women and Stephen King was like yeah like that can be bad that's absolutely bad and she was like oh thank god finally someone sane who believes all the things I believe and someone was like hey Stephen King are trans women women and he was just like yes trans women are women and immediately <laughs> fell like a house of cards it fell apart it was great if you don't know, uh, oh, J.K. No. Rowling said some transphobic things that you can. She's a you can go It wasn't great. I, I, you know, wasn't. some sometimes it feels like maybe she's just like literally so old and ignorant and like stupid that she doesn't do know what she's doing. But then she just keeps digging that hole, man. And it's that's like, the oh, thing. Lord. It's the doubling down, and that's the honestly to turn it back on the topic. Um, at least with something like Do the Right Thing. Um, that's the interesting thing to see in the individuals that happen, or the individual experiences happen there, is the doubling down. Because I was watching that movie, and it really gets to the like the emotions tied up with racism and systemic racism and the things that go with it. Because half the times, to all of the characters in the argument, I'm like, just like just relent, just go. You know what? My bad. Yeah, like on all of like, because every like there's issues that everyone has um even the character who gets killed like spike lee was talking about like he is the uh, misunderstood black man like he is he's no angel but he is the regular person he has flaws and he has his own ways of thinking but he is this guy who is inevitably you know destroyed by the system the racist system in place but um individual emotion fueling a lot of the arguments and the demonstrations of racist activities is another fascinating aspect of Spike Lee because he uses it in every in everything. Um, I, it shows up in Black Klansman. It's the most prevalent for me in Do the Right Thing, um, but it ends up showing up a lot. And I I, enj- I I liked that that's there because it feels it feels very honest with how people justify the actions that they end up doing. Like the the pizza owner 
after the fucking character's killed and literally hauled off in a police car because one of the cops realized, he's like, oh shit, we've got to like get him out of here before they fucking kill us um, or fucking do worse, whatever. And he, he, they drive off and the Sal of Sal's Pizzeria just goes, he basically is like, he go, they're, they're all staring at him. He just goes, you gotta do what you gotta do. And they fucking explode at that. But like, he's just thinking about his perspective of the situation and it's like you can see where the twists of society have fucked it up on enough levels to go oh i get why he is he is saying that but mm -hmm. holy shit read the room dude like that sort of stuff is very fascinating to me in these because i think we like to or i especially like to talk about the logic and how it doesn't make any sense to be racist and all these sort of things where a lot of these things are just emotional and personal things that happen to people as to how they get into being either racist or classic. Like, all of these ists come from emotions a lot of the time. Right. I'm going to push back on that. Really? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, just on the very last bit about how people become racist. I believe people choose to continue to be racist, um, for sure. Yeah. Like, I do. Like, I, that's absolutely your fault. Um, I do think... <laughs> you're not set up well. Um, like we were saying earlier, like we willing, we were willingly neglectful of a lot of the things that we were taught um, and assumed them to have an authority. Mm -hmm. As a child, you don't have much choice. As an adult, you choose to continue to believe this thing. But like as this system, I heard um, in our, the difference between like a systemic racism versus like a racist system. Um, and a, a systemic systemic racism is like if there if the in every police officer and every government official were suddenly and magically perfectly not racist, mm -hmm. people of color would still get in the shit end of the stick. Um, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. what we mean. Like it's baked into the thing that shapes our lives. Um, and so I think at jump, people who uh, it is impossible to be an American and not at least a white American and not be a racist. It is your choice to continue to not fight that. Um, mm. That's all I'm going to say on that. Oh yeah. It's interesting. I think, yeah, it's the, the thing about the, the interesting thing about the Spike Lee films is I think he, he shows certain aspects of that, but because the focus is on individuals a lot of the time, it ends up, it ends up showing a lot of the after effects or like the consequences of those systems um, without necessarily just showing the system itself. I think Black Klansman shows that a bit more than something like Do the Right Thing does. Because Do the Right Thing, you don't see the police. You see the police basically in times of threatening violence or doing violence. That's pretty much it, which is an indictment of the system in itself, but it's not like, it doesn't like explain how the system is doing that or like give a clear example of it whereas black Klansman tends to uh elaborate on that more i think and inside man doesn't at all it completely jerks <laughs> off the police and they literally go it's the best thing ever and Damn yeah, it. sorry. <laughs> sorry no inside man is a very enjoyable film but I mean, it's just <laughs> i know well again like i watched it because i i assume like this is gonna be not enjoyable <laughs> to watch on Taylor, and there were a lot i of... watched inside man so then i watched it again instead of watching any of the other movies i recommend <laughs> i know i'm watching black Klansman tonight okay uh, uh, <laughs> it's just like i i figured no one else was gonna re-watch inside man so i figured talk about like the the uh Sorry. the outlier okay no that's fair 
Um, the one, the one thing, and this is purely from a film. Oh god! <laughs> god damn it! Where you got the fucking giggles over there? there. I'm good. I'm good. Um, the, the one thing I will say, um, I think I need to go watch more of Spike Lee's uh, filmography because clearly these have made they've sparked an interest in me on a on a fundamental level. However, the one movie of his that I have seen that I I cannot uh, recommend against enough is his bizarre, I believe it was 2013, maybe 2014, remake of the Korean film Old Boy? Oh uh, my god, yeah. Spike Lee directed that? that? Yes, I can't stress this enough. I don't know what happened, or why it happened, or if it was all studio interference, or whatever the fuck happened with this film. Do, do not watch it. If you ever see Old Boy come up and you see Josh Brolin or Elizabeth Olsen or someone oh, who isn't Korean, you run away. You run for your life. Because that movie managed to suck out all of the good of the original movie while keeping somehow everything in it, but removing all of the enjoyment out of it. Go watch the 2003 version, and that's it. Sorry, Spike. It's a swing and a miss. It happens. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I got to watch that movie. Watch the Spike Lee version at you, some point. You've seen the original, right? Yeah, yeah, you see. Okay, then go watch that one. <laughs> if you're going to watch. I knew that someone had. Um, <laughs> I thought it was like a typical Hollywood botch job of like remaking a movie that wasn't Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and doing Lee. a bad job. I had no idea it was Spike, Spike Lee. Lee. <laughs> That's funny. I watched um, <laughs> Old Boy for the first time with a guy who speaks Korean, and that was very eye opening because every once in a while he'd go like, okay, we need to talk about how they translated that really quick. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, it was a uh, <laughs> movie, is movie's really good. Watch, yeah, 2003, yeah. watch it. Go. <laughs> Um, so what do we think? We uh, we want to wrap it up here. Yep. Oh yeah, I think that was pretty good. On the that, that's that's your cue, Lord buddy. Taylor. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. On the topic <laughs> of Spike Lee, are we friends? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna lean towards a yes. I think. I think we touched on enough things and and kind of agreed on those points or at least enjoyed those points enough that we have a comprehensive like positive reaction to him so i'm gonna say yes we are friends i'm i'm gonna guess that it's going to be a yes but i i think needs more data I yeah i think maybe a maybe a, a part two with some more movies or a little more research or something like that would be good yeah i'm gonna give a strong yes but entirely take it back with my sign out oh so yeah oh um <laughs> okay so in anticipation of that, um, look on our Instagram, our Twitter, both of which are at underscore are we friends, all one word this week. We'll be providing some content related to today's episode. Also, check us out on our website, r-we-friends.com. Dot com. There it is. Dot com. <laughs> I have been your... <laughs> Damn it, Jorge, you waited so long on it. I have been your co-host who may or may not take back everything he said in this episode, Taylor. That's the truth, Ruth. I'm Brian. And I'm still just Jorge. And we will talk to you next week.